Are you sending direct mail? Is your phone ringing off the hook with motivated seller calls? If it's not, it's probably because you're not marketing. One of my favorite ways to reach motivated sellers is by using direct mail. And the reason is, is I can target those who may have recently got a divorce or who have inherited a property from a death um, and so on and so forth. I can also target high equity. I can target absentee owners. And it is a tried and true way to get your message out. And more importantly than that, to get your phone ringing. I want you guys to go to dpipodcast.com forward slash direct mail so you can see the exact mail provider that I use. I want to share them with you. They do letters and postcards. Letters as low as 59 cents and postcards as low as 39 cents. Mike and I send hundreds, if not thousands of postcards and letters to motivated sellers in our market every single week. Reason is, is because it works and we are going to continue to send direct mail because it works. So if you're not using a mail provider already, we want to share with you the company that we use. And they will hook you guys up with special pricing. Mention David Dodge or Mike Slane when you contact them. Go to dpipodcast.com forward slash direct mail to get more information. Welcome to the Discount Property Investor Podcast, where we show you how to buy real estate at a discount so you can create wealth over time and income today. Our mission is to share what we have learned from the experience of others and help you make more money investing like a pro. We want to teach you how to create wealth by investing in real estate, the Discount Property Investor way. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome back, Discount Property Investors. Your host, Mike Slane and David Dodge here. Uh, thanks for joining us. We are excited to jump into today's episode about contracts. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about wholesaling, uh, we've got a full course on freewholesalecourse.com. Uh, there's a link on our main website, thediscountpropertyinvestor.com. There you can see all our properties. And like I said, find that link to freewholesalecourse.com. You'll be able to find all this content uh, available for you. So today we are talking about contracts. Dave, you want to jump in and, and kind of give your take on, on contracts? And Absolutely. How we get started with Absolutely. that? Absolutely. So, uh, after you do your marketing and you start sending out tons and tons of offers, um, somebody is going to accept your offer and you are going to have yourself a deal. So at that point in time, you want to either send them a contract or maybe your offer was a contract. It just depends if you're sending out letters of intent or if you're sending out actual contracts. Um, either way, you're gonna send that contract out to them and they're gonna sign that contract. You're gonna receive that contract back. And the next steps will be to take that contract to your local title company. Um, some states use closing attorneys. We're gonna focus on what we do. Uh, we're located in St. Louis, Missouri, and our state uses title companies. So what we'll do is we'll take our contract to our title company and we will do what's called opening escrow. So we will 
give the contract to the title company, and then we will also bring in uh, funds that match the earnest money deposit that's stated on the contract. So on our uh, freewholesalecourse.com, we have a couple different examples of contracts that we actually use mm-hmm. in our business, our day-to-day business. And um, you can go there and you can you can download those. They're out there for you um, on the freewholesalecourse.com. And um, so first quick disclaimer though, and we're not attorneys um, absolutely. And, and each state is different. So you definitely want to have an attorney or maybe a real estate agent uh, kind of help you through it, make sure that the contract makes sense for your area. It's a very good point. Yeah. And you're also, you're going to want to know if, if uh, closing companies, title companies do it, or if uh, attorneys do it in your state, it's going to be, it's going to determine. Yeah. So yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe talk to a local attorney within your area, your state, your city. And, um, and then also if you are a licensed agent, um, you'll have board certified contracts that you can use. So I'm personally not a licensed agent as of today. Mike is. Mm-hmm. And um, unfortunately, sometimes <laughs> there's right. a lot of rules for it. <laughs> um, but, you know, Mike sometimes will use a special sales contract. Um, me personally, not being a licensed agent, I just use a simple one or two page contract. Um, very, very basic stuff. So, um, Talking about contracts, let's talk about just some of the basis of the contract. The contract's typically gonna start out and it's just gonna be a purchase and sale or a contract to purchase. It's gonna have the buyer's name, um, address, and info. It's gonna have the seller's name, address, and info. And it's gonna have the subject property. You know, what's actually being purchased? What's the, what is being transacted there? Um, there may or may not be a short little area for legal description. Um, and then from there, you just kind of get into a couple things. You get into the earnest money, you get into the cost of the transaction, you get into acceptance periods and dates, you get into inspection periods and dates, and then you get into the close. Am I missing anything, Mike? Yeah, there's not a lot to it. Again, so yeah, parts of the contract, I mean, most importantly, you want to put uh, your name or your LLC's name, like whoever's purchasing the property, mm-hmm. the subject property itself, yep. uh, the price and the close date. I mean, those are really only the four things. Those are the main four things. So sometimes there's an acceptance period where you'll say, hey, I'm going to send you an offer, but you don't want that offer to be good for 20 years, obviously. Right. You want them to come back in four months and say, oh, I need to sell. Let's do this. So I usually will give them maybe a week, sometimes two. I've done it in the past where I've given them up to a month if it's a really good deal. It's like, hey, take your time. You know, when you're ready to move, this is my offer. It's, It's good for, you know, X number of days. Um, so there may be the acceptance period. When you're talking about inspection periods, we typically like to shoot for maybe 15 to 20 days. One uh, great trick that, that, you can, that you can use to extend your inspection period is by adding the word business. So if you have a 10-day inspection period, that's obviously 10 days. However, if you put in the word business, you know, 10 days could really be as many as 14 because you get those extra weekend days. So, you know, sometimes we'll add in the word business if, if we need to, you know, buy ourselves a little bit extra time. Yeah. And so the reason the inspection period is important in wholesaling. So, again, I think David did a pretty good breakdown of what's happening. So you've done some marketing, you've made some offers, now you've got a contract going. Uh, so once you, once you have a contract, the reason you want a longer inspection period is it gives you more time to find that C buyer, to find mm-hmm. the end buyer that's going to come in with the cash and close. So again, if you if you don't have the cash to purchase it outright, a uh, longer inspection period definitely helps and not, with that. And you're absolutely right, Mike. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, you always want to go out and you want to try to find that that end buyer, the C buyer that you know that has the cash to close. 
But additionally, you know, you're going to use that inspection period to do your due diligence. Mm -hmm. You're going to use that to make sure that, you know, your repair costs, your estimate of repair cost, excuse me, is in the ballpark. You know, it is a decent and, you know, fair estimate. And then also your, you know, your after repair value that you had kind of estimated, you know, by pulling your comps and figuring out what the what the like properties in the area, you know, the like bed bath or the like square footage in the area is going for. So you can use that inspection period to really determine that your numbers are correct. So for any reason, if you come back and you say, you know, as an example, I thought the repair costs were gonna be, you know, 15 grand and it turns out they're 25 grand after I maybe brought in one of my inspectors mm -hmm. or one of my, you know, contractors, then you can use that inspection period time to either exit the contract or renegotiate, which is what I always recommend. If you're you've already spent all your all that time and, and effort and, and money, you know, marketing and sending out offers, and you finally get it under contract, the last thing you want to do is exit that deal. You know, always try to renegotiate because usually the seller at that point is really motivated. They're happy that they have an offer on the property. They've already cashed the check. They've already cashed the check yeah. mentally. Yeah. Very good point. It's one, once it's under contract, most people are ready to close, so you can kind of use that as a little bit of extra leverage. Absolutely. In that, you know, I mean, again, once they once they've agreed, say, to a hundred thousand dollars, well, if it's if you come back and say, man, I really need to get this at ninety five to make this deal work, or even eighty five, right? Then yeah. you know, it's not it's not a huge deal to them. They're already ready to be rid of the property. They've yep. already made that decision that it's gone. They want to put it behind them. Uh, so often, again, it, it's helpful. And the inspection, you're not doing anything wrong. You're doing your due diligence, like you said. Mm -hmm. You're getting a contractor through there to find out, oh, shoot, this is, you know, here's your actual repair costs. And they are 25000 instead of fifteen. I mean, it is, yeah. it is I mean, what it is. That's one of the things I struggle with is, mm -hmm. is estimating my repair costs. You know, so in another episode, we'll, we'll kind of jump into... Um, you know, into some simple formulas that you can use based on square footage or, you know, maybe just fixed numbers for, you know, different items like kitchens and bath, but it's a whole different episode. Yeah, um, we should do a walkthrough too. We'll do a walkthrough of a house. Down the road. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That'd be a great, yeah. be a great episode. So, but anyway, uh, back to con back to contracts. Um, so then you're going to have your inspection period and then you're usually going to have your close date, which I usually put maybe one week out from my, the end of my inspection period. So if I can get my inspection period to be two or three weeks, and I'll make my close date one week beyond that. But That's really, funny. It's, Dave, you, you can do it wide open. Though. Yeah, we we worked together, and I didn't know that's how we did it. I do. Yeah, I, I mean, almost always. I write. I write my inspection day for as long as I can, mm -hmm. uh, and then I almost always write the close date one month from the day okay. of the writing of the contract. Even longer than so. It's what one, I'm doing. one month or sooner is usually what I'll write. Sure. So typically, we'll try to close sooner. Yeah, that's a great like point. To just give myself, and the reason I I do that too, I tell the people. You know, we're really we're dependent on the title company, so it's as quick as they can get everything processed. And Very good point. Again, if it's an attorney, it's as quick as they can get everything, uh, the title cleared for us. Yeah. So you want to give yourself time for that as well. And if you can close it in two weeks, great. If it's going to take a month, well, you don't have to go back and amend the contract. That's so. a really good point, Mike. I I'd like that. And on, I, I do want to emphasize honor before. You know, use yes. that wording in the contract. So you know, let's say you tell the seller that you're going to be closing you know, mid, mid February, for example, then in your contract, you'd like to have that stated, you know, maybe on or before February 15th. And then that way it is kind of up to the title company. Mm -hmm. We've used dozens of title companies here in St. Louis and some title companies can do a deal in four to six days. Others, it may take them three weeks, four weeks. So, you know, you can always kind of lean on your title company, you know, and or 
use them as an excuse to say, you know, hey, I can't close it in four days because the title company just can't process these documents and pull title and, you know, clear all these liens in this amount of time. So that's a very, sure. very good and they're, point. And they're going to help you with the contract too. Uh, if, if you get into a, a property and you've written a contract yourself or made some edits to one of our templates that we have out there, uh, they'll tell you, hey, this doesn't work here. You know, yeah. like, this is this is no good. We had them come back to us on, uh, I guess it was an assignment agreement. And they said, this is this doesn't look right to us. It doesn't, you know. They sent and us they, an assignment they sent, they sent us exactly yeah, the verbiage they wanted better. in there. So, again, your title company will become one of your best friends. And we can do another episode about. Absolutely. But, the, you know, what, what's important with the title companies and, uh, you know, or closing attorneys, if that's the state that you're in, is, you know, try to build a relationship with these folks. Because, you know, if you're walking in there and you're requesting documents, they're not just going to hand them over to you most likely. However, if you brought them business and, you know, the more and more business that you bring these folks, the more and more likely they are going to be to, they're going to be to want to work with you mm -hmm. and help you, you know, and make sure that you're successful. Because if you're successful, that means that they're getting business and then they'll be successful. So we're digressing. I'm, I'm going to hit one sure. more thing on title companies. So w when you're calling around and trying to figure out who you're going to close with. If you call them and ask them, do you know how to do a double close or can you do an assignment or anything like that? And they say, what? Move on to the next title company. <laughs> Very good point. But again, so anyways, we're digressing. So let's get back to the contracts. Sure, We've talked sure. about uh, purchase and sale. We've talked about different types. Uh, we also can talk about the assignment then. Absolutely. So, so, so the you know, your A to B transaction is going to be a purchase and sale contract or purchase and sale agreement. And, um, and then once you get that locked up and well, you've opened escrow. Right. So your B to C could also be a purchase and sale. It could. That's a good so point. So that's a double close. That's a double close. That's a double close. The A to B, B to C. Yep. So then the other side of it is the assignment. Yep. Which would be uh, you go out and you get your A to B contract and then you find your C buyer and you just straight up write a simple assignment agreement say that you now, the C buyer now, is responsible for everything in this contract. You guys both sign that and mm -hmm. agree to it. So I personally love assignments for multiple reasons. Um, the main reason is you don't have to close. You literally just take your, uh, your contract from A to B and you sell it to a third party who then takes that to the title company and they close the deal. If you've already opened escrow, you can transfer the escrow from from yourself to them. Mm -hmm. They can, you know, pay you either at closing or they can even pay you outside of closing. Oh, one thing we forgot to mention was the assignment fee. Assignment fee. Yeah, that's how you, that's how you get paid. <laughs> our, our assignment contract will also be out there on freewholesalecourse.com. Mm -hmm. uh, so you put an assignment fee in there. Uh, when the C buyer comes and closes the transaction, the title company is going to actually wire you the, the check for the assignment fee. Yep, or you can pick it up. Mm -hmm. but they'll have it. They'll have it for you. Mm -hmm. So. Um, so those are really your two options. You can assign your contract, which is great because you just you just get paid. You don't even have to go to closing, you don't have to put up any money um, other than any, any escrow that you may or may not have already opened. And um, that's it. So if you double close the deal, there are advantages to doing a double close. Let's start with the disadvantage. It's going to cost you more. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to pay for closing costs on both sides. Now, if you find yourself a good title company that you know you like doing business with and you send them a ton of business, They'll usually hook you up a little bit on not charging you full, you know, full cost on both sides. Maybe they'll charge you full cost on one side, maybe only half cost on the back side. So you can save a little bit of money by doing those double closes. But again, that's a relationship type of thing you have to kind of build. But anyway, the advantages of doing a double close is you are protecting um, the numbers for the most part. So let's say that Mike sells me a property for 50 grand. And I turn around and I sell it to you know to Ray over here for eighty grand. 
there's a $30,000 difference, a net profit of 30,000 minus the cost to close. I'm protecting the fact that I'm actually making 30 grand by doing a double close because the numbers are sheltered. So with an assignment, that means Ray, the end buyer, doesn't see he doesn't see that I'm making the thirty thousand. Because again, exactly. even if Ray's getting a good deal on it, and Ray's an experienced investor, thirty grand is a big pill to swallow that's for somebody a, to pay for. That's a big pill. Even if yeah. he's going to make thirty grand on the on the back end by doing a rehab and mm -hmm. then selling or it, or fifty grand, who doesn't? Yeah. But that's a lot of work that he's going to have to then go do is in fixing the property and rehabbing it. Whereas I'm just literally finding it and selling the contract. So in certain cases, double close is better. Um, we typically do an assignment if it's less than 5,000. Um, if it's more than 5,000, we'll almost every single time double close it mm -hmm. just to protect our, our numbers and you know not to burn the bridges or give people bad taste in their mouth due to the fact that we may be making more on the deal than they are. I, and honestly, I prefer double closing. Like I'm willing to pay a couple hundred bucks just so that people don't know. Because even, mm -hmm. it, even if it's a skinny deal, I'd just rather not have people know if I made three grand or 30 grand yeah. i think it's just it's not really mm -hmm. um relevant as long as they're as long as they're happy with the deal that they're buying there shouldn't be any issue with it um i agree Absolutely. but again i just i just don't like mm -hmm. people to know I mean, it's, so i don't want to get it too deep into this but really yeah. quick let's talk about cost assignments you have no cost correct you literally take it's a one-page agreement you can make it more if you like but keep it simple one-page agreement you say hey here's my a to b i'm going to assign this to you Here's what I need for the assignment, two, three, four, five thousand or more. And that's it, you walk away. When you're doing a double close, what can you expect in, far, in terms of closing? Now, again, everyone's gonna have a different state and if they're using title companies versus attorneys, those- Let's use, those, an, let's use an actual example. Those fees are, are, are different, but for us, example. So an example, so say you have a property under contract for simple numbers, $10,000, and you're gonna sell it to a C buyer for $20,000. If you assigned it to them, for the $20,000, there's gonna be $10,000 in your pocket. They're gonna pay the closing costs, all that stuff comes out of their end, or the buyer's or the seller's end, mm -hmm. and the transaction. If you do a double close, the you're purchasing the property, you're gonna to have to pay the closing costs on the purchase side, and you're gonna to have to sell it and pay closing costs on the, the sales, sales side. side. Mm -hmm. So the end buyer still comes in with the same uh, end amount, say his 20,000, but you've got the closing costs on both sides, let's call it say thousand bucks just round mm -hmm. number that's going to take two grand off of your your profits so your ten thousand dollar profit from a ten thousand dollar purchase to twenty thousand dollar sale just got eaten up with two thousand dollars worth of closing costs so it's now eight thousand mm -hmm. so again and that's that, a those, perfect example however i think those numbers are a little they inflated. are oh yeah they're absolutely high yeah i mean yeah. you should you can do a double close for usually anywhere between six and eight hundred mm -hmm. give or take Maybe a little more. As the price of the property goes up, the price of the closing goes up because of the title, um, the title insurance policy that needs to be purchased. Um, so typically, you know, just kind of mm -hmm. rule of thumb: if you have something that's under fifty thousand, you can usually double close for you know seven to eight hundred. If it's over fifty thousand, then you're going to typically be over a thousand. We can. Cost. We've got a good relationship with our title company too. Exactly. Though. I mean, so. they're. Yeah, we get pretty good rates. Awesome. So, so next topic here, CYA clauses. Mm -hmm. Cover your arse. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So my favorite one is uh, contract subject to partner's approval. So the reason for that is who's my partner? Who is your partner? Right. My partner's my cat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my partner is usually my C buyer. 
So, but the idea here is that your partner can really be anybody. It's just kind of one of those things where it's vague. It's very vague, and it's vague for a for a reason. You know, this this deal is subject to my partner's approval. I have to get my partner to agree, and and by saying that, you're not, or by writing that into the offer or the contract. You're not really specifying that I need Mike to agree. You're just saying that I need my partner to agree. So you can have anybody be your partner. And once you find somebody else that will agree to buy the contract, then boom, you have you have met that need. My partner has agreed. Let's move forward. Okay. So and that's why I say it's my C buyer. It's always my C buyer is my partner because they're my they're my uh, funding partner is what mm-hmm. I call them. So as long as my funding partner agrees. Well, then we're good to go. But if my funding partner says, no, you're asking too much, then it, it doesn't work it out. It doesn't so, work out. So sorry, my partner doesn't approve of this deal. Yep. So it, it is a, it's a, um, kind of bending, I guess, the reality, mm-hmm. if you would. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's what I like. Uh, Another next, one. Yeah, go. Subject to taxes, title, and value. We usually will put both of these in our agreements. Um, subject to taxes, title, and values is another great one. And the reason is, is because the property is, or the contract is obviously going to be subject to the taxes that are owed. Because if the taxes that are owed on the property are more than what you're paying, then there's no deal. You can't do it. And um, that's obviously, you know, same with the title. If there's, if there's liens, you know, of 200 grand and you're only offering 80, well, then they're not going to sell you the property because you can't satisfy those liens. And then my favorite word in that sentence, so subject to taxes, title, and value is value because value is one of those things where it's kind of in the eye of the beholder it's like who determines value everyone's going to have a different determination of what something is going to be worth it's vague again it's very vague exactly so by saying taxes title and value when you read that sentence you know it kind of it looks very very like to the point like okay it's got subject to the taxes title and the value like we can determine all these things value it's going to be a lot more hard a lot more difficult to actually determine the value so second cya clause we recommend subject to taxes title and value um next those are two pretty good ones pretty good ones. Uh, last thing i think we want to cover on contracts uh, i know we're we're getting uh kind of long here is earnest money so how much earnest money do you want to put down and uh, our opinion is as little as possible as little as possible you know unless somebody unless your seller is going to request you put down you know a certain number or or more than what you're offering don't go any higher than you need to so you know some of my contracts are ten dollars i try to usually shoot for ten dollars if i want the seller to know that i'm that i'm serious then i'll usually put down a hundred dollars but it's very very rare that I'll put down more than a hundred dollars. Um, if I do, I think at the most I'll put down is five hundred. You know, but mm-hmm. if I can get ten or even a hundred, that's what I shoot right. for. Right, and sometimes if the buyer's coming back and negotiating with you on the earnest money, and you know you've got a good deal, whatever big deal. If you I have mean, the again, intent to if, close it at that point, and you're saying yeah, if you've got a good deal, make it, do it make the deal happen exactly. Yeah. But if it's something that you're you know, like, eh, let's just see what we can do to try to help this person or something like that. You know, go for the lowest amount. You know, that's very possible. Um, in regards to the earnest money, Mike, um, my, I, we use different contracts. We're mm-hmm. business partners, but yet we still use different contracts. He's usually using the special sales contract, which is the Missouri Missouri Board of Realtors. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it's St. Louis contract board or, or St. Louis yeah. Board, where I'm using just a simple, you know, one or two page contract. So in my contract... Um, it states that, you know, if I for any reason will default, 
then the buyer can keep can keep my earnest money as liquid damages. And that is the only liquid damages that they can keep. So if I for any reason back out of my deal, which I try never to do, but it, it does happen, um, then I lose 10 bucks. So what, you know? Uh, Mike's contract actually states that the money is refunded to him, yeah. I believe, right? You wanna mm-hmm. read that sentence? Yeah, so I, uh, I give myself under special agreements in our, in our contract, uh, it says that the buyer shall have 15 days from acceptance to inspect, tour, or view the property. The buyer shall find the inspection satisfactory in buyer's sole judgment or contract shall be null and void and earnest money to be returned to buyer. Simple as that. Simple as that. So you can kind of go either way, folks. You could decide what works best for you. Um, the thing about contracts is there's really not one contract that you have to use. You can even, you know, kind of come up with your own contract as long as the title company in your area, you know, will accept uh, the verbiage that you're using, you'll be, you'll be good to go. So um, at this point, I think we're kind of wrapping up um, contracts. Next week, we're going to talk about selling those contracts, building your buyers list and dealing with your, your C buyers, your, your cash buyers. Um, so what can you do today? Folks, send more offers. Send actual contracts as offers. Write some contracts, exactly. Go out there to uh, the discountpropertyinvestor.com and find uh, freewholesalecourse.com. Mm-hmm. On there, we've got some contracts to look at. Uh, play around, find one that works for you, and write some contracts. Send some, some contracts. send some contracts. Get them out there. Exactly. The more contracts you send, the more offers you're sending, the more likely you are to get a killer deal and make yourself a good living. So. Mm-hmm. Mike, you want to end this episode with a quote? Sure. In investing, what is comfortable is rarely profitable. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for listening to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and subscribe to help us reach a wider audience. We would also appreciate it if you left us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Thanks in advance for your support. And remember, you make your money when you buy and get paid when you sell. Now let's go build some wealth.